This is the John Clayton Show on 710 ESPN Seattle. Get in on the conversation at 866-979-ESPN. Now here's your host, the professor, John Clayton. One hour left and of course, short show. We got Washington State's uh, pregame coming up at 10. Washington State football against Arizona State at 12. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. Let's go to Michael in Shoreline. Hey, Michael. Hello, Mr. Clayton. How are you? I'd like to, fine. I'd like to do a little bit of a deep dive into this old debate that doesn't get much attention anymore, the yeah. playing surfaces of the football fields. Okay. Uh, I think Carolina recently went back to artificial turf, or whatever they call it now. Right, right. And I don't know why. And I'm curious if you have any uh, knowledge on that. Well, I mean, you know, the owner David Tepper, uh, you know, had a part ownership in the in the Steelers, and of course, you know, their their art their artificial turf. And so the idea being is that uh, you know sometimes it's hard to maintain the uh, the fields like that. And you know, and I think part of it is you know because you know like in the case that I think they currently have, I don't I don't know about all the different arrangements. But like in most cases, because I know this is the case in Pittsburgh, is that uh, you know if you have a stadium and it was helped built by the city itself or the county or whatever, then I mean you're, you're sharing it uh, and letting high school teams and all that stuff use it too, and so it wears down. And so like for example, uh, you know they do have a practice field that they could use, so it doesn't take out anything there. But you know it's just sometimes those fields are hard to maintain. And yeah, a lot of it has to do, you know, with what the area is like. Now, again, I would have to think that uh, Charlotte is okay as far as grass fields. But you go down to San Jose, that field is brutal as far as being able to maintain as a grass field. I mean, you go to Washington, the Washington football team, and that's that's so bad that, uh, you know, guys have had ACL injuries on how bad that field is. It's just sometimes hard to be able to maintain a grass field nowadays. Well, John, I grew up in the AstroTurf era. Yeah. In fact, I have a trivia question. Yeah. Do you know what the first outdoor stadium had AstroTurf installed at? Hmm, I don't know. Was it the uh, the AstroDome or... No, the outdoor stadium. Oh, That's the outdoor stadium. Okay, outdoor, yeah, and it's, uh, I give up. Okay, it was right here in Seattle. Okay. And uh, the Huskies practiced on it, but it uh-huh. wasn't at Husky Stadium. Okay. It was High School Memorial Stadium down at the Seattle Center. Uh-huh. And I know from having been on that previous field, that was a vast improvement in the sense that people used to say all sorts of uh, objects came up through the dirt and grass that was there on the old field and mm-hmm. it was thought to be a vast improvement and then the issue of concussions and especially knee injuries that they were, they were all felt like they were caused by this astroturf mm-hmm. apparently the uh, new turf is quite a bit of improvement but we still see some of those same kinds of injuries yeah so, but i mean tartan turf and all that stuff but where it's you know not as bad is that uh, you know when you see because I mean I count it up because I keep keep track of it because you know it's stupid high am it's I, I try keep track of everything you know there's been 34 ACL injuries and there's been 14 Achilles tendon tears but so many of those are non-contact injuries it's just making the wrong turn at the wrong time and some of I mean you know a few of them can be turf related but very few are it's just you know those those are the type of injuries but you're right like the old astroturf I mean that that stuff was tough. 
I mean, you would agree with that because, I mean, you know, you've walked it and, uh, you know, it's like it was just so stiff that it was really hard to be able to uh, stay safe on it. Uh, you know, because you, know, you had and then, you know, also the other problem was, you know, the, the field below it, uh, you know, you, they had such a hard surface underneath it, you know, to try to build it up. It, I mean, you hit that turf and you get, you know, both the turf, which was tough, and then the, the you know, the bottom of it. It was not easy. Right. I believe Philadelphia was always known as sort of a concrete. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> agreed. Band. Oh, yeah. Well, and I know in Pittsburgh it was real tough. I mean, particularly in the old stadium when there were three rivers, you know, because, again, it was the, the surface was just so hard. And what stadium is it? They roll out the grass? Is that? Is that's that a, that's the, Arizona. In Arizona. Oh, I thought that was either the Las Vegas or the new I, I, No, again, I, I can't tell you about Las Vegas because I've not been there yet. They very well could, and I wouldn't be surprised because they may be copying the Arizona model. But, you know, the idea is in Arizona is that, uh, you know, they can open up the roof and be able to play some outdoor games. And if they do that, then they'll roll in the uh, grass field. And then, of course, when they're playing completely indoors, they'll have the turf. Well, I found that fascinating. They go to the trouble where they would have a grass field that would yeah. actually move out of the stadium. That, that to me, is yeah. Well, it, and it just sits outside because I know when you go down to uh, to Glendale and you know you you kind of walk around to get in the building. I mean, you know, it's like I know the one of the entrances that you go into the back entrance and all that stuff. That's where you can see you know where they have the grass and where they do that. And so, yeah, I mean, that's that's what they do. And so, you know, and it does seem to work. Hey, I would like to ask you one more yeah, slightly personal question. Go ahead. Does Irish Mickey send you CDs? Yes, he does. Okay, good to know. I'm, I'm a lucky recipient, too. Oh, okay, good, yeah. Thank, thanks, Mr. Clayton. All Have right, hey, day. thank you. Thanks, Michael. Let's go to Bob in Bothell. Hey, Bob. Hey, John, thanks for taking my call. Thank you Always a pleasure talking to the professor. Appreciate it. All right, I got a question for you. Everyone, you know, I've been listening to the sports radio stations, and they a lot of fans are calling for removal of the coach. Oh, I, I disagree know. with that, you know, because I think Pete Carroll's been the best coach since the guy that we're putting in the ring of honor. Right. Um, but if they do, and I hope they don't, would there ever be a chance that we would go after Eric Bieniemy? I'm sorry if I mispronounce his name from Kansas City. Their offensive coordinator. Mm, I mean, it would it that'd be you know an interesting replacement. I mean, that could be a possibility, but it's not going to happen because again, you know, Pete Carroll right now is on a Hall of Fame level, just like Mike Holmgren is, right? Mm-hmm. And hopefully this year, yeah, you know, with the voting and everything else, we get a chance to get Mike into the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I sure hope so because I think he deserves it so much. He does. And again, it's like, uh, and again, I'm biased because uh, certainly, obviously, knowing Mike and all that stuff. But also, tell tell me if I'm wrong on this. I know that uh, you know for years I sat next to Will McDonough at the Hall of Fame. He educated me so much on the Hall of Fame voting. And one of the things that he taught me is that we've got to find a way to break the contributors and the coaches away from the players in the vote. And the reason for that is if you and again if Bob if you were voting uh you know between let's say Steve Hutchinson, uh Mike Holmgren and Pete Carroll, who are you going to take? Oh geez, man, that's a no. That's it's not. It's, no, it's easy. You're going to take the player. 
The players, yeah, yeah, the, I would. I'd take Steve yeah, first. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, but again, that's that's the problem. And so fortunately, after all the years of pushing, uh, they they agreed with me. First, we got the contributors, and then secondly, we were able to get a four or five year cycle. We we're able to get the coaches separated, and that's why right now, you know, we can get the coaches in. Now, I know that uh, this past year, you know, because what we do on the committee. Uh, for coaches, I'm not on the co- coaches committee. I'm on the contributors committee. But like, for example, mm-hmm. you know, you have like, you know, nine people that vote uh, and then they'll take five each year from that group and then they'll put them in the mix to have the, uh, you know, the five, six, seven, eight, nine hour meeting uh, and then, you know, take the vote and cast them in. And so one of the guys who was real prominent in this year's vote, and I'm not going to say his name, you know, really pushed for Dick Vermeil. uh and, you know, Vermeule was able to make it in ahead of Holmgren and Don Corio and guys like that. Huh. But yeah, okay, again, but, but Vermeule deserved to get in. So it's like, it's not like it was a bad thing. See, the thing about Mike that I remember the most when we got him mm-hmm. was just a shock value. Because this guy was coaching at San Francisco, led Green Bay to a Super Bowl with Brett Favre. And I'm like, holy cow, we actually got this guy. Yeah. When we got Pete Carroll, I was like, oh, man, this guy's kind of, you know, he's leaving US, you know, USC under some turmoil. Was it him or not? You know, uh-huh. then he comes here and brings us this, you know, outstanding run of playoffs in a Super Bowl two times, you know, and losing one by, you know, I won't go there. But I'm just like, you know, the thing about Mike and the difference about Pete is that Mike Holgram brought in character. People right. have a high moral value. Pete Carroll, he really doesn't really look at that so much. He'll say it. Mm-hmm. But then if you look at the players, you know, okay, whatever. But I think the, the reason why people are concerned, and no one's really touched about this, who is up above Pete Carroll? Who does he answer to? You know, Jody Allen, I have never heard her voice. Mm-hmm. I have never seen her make a comment. And I know there's some issues with her in the past, you know, and whatever, but Shouldn't she be the one saying, hey, I'm in charge now, and if I don't like what I'm seeing, things are going to change? Because well, who does Pete Carroll answer to? Uh, Jody and Allen. I'll take your comment off the air. And yeah, off I mean, it, she, he Thank answers you. to Jody Allen, and, you know, it's like uh, just like Paul Allen. I mean, he stayed out of it. He lets football players, football people make football decisions. And that's, I think, the wise way to do it. Because in that case, I mean, you know, you, you and, and again, you can see it works. I mean, you can see that he has a good working relationship with John Snyder. So that's encouraging. So it's like, uh, in the end, you don't want to mess up what's working and what's going well. So I think that, uh, you know, it's just a matter that, uh, hey, they won 12 games uh, last year. They're having a tough season this year. The season's not over. We'll see where it goes tomorrow. They should be able to win and get to three and four or three and five and then uh, try to see what they do in bouncing back and, you know, seeing if they can make a little bit of a playoff run. But, again, it's like, uh, I mean, like, for example, you go down to San Francisco and, you know, Kyle Shanahan helped get that team to the Super Bowl. They didn't win, but they got to the Super Bowl and he's got like a 443 winning percentage. People, some people want him fired and he's not going to get fired. I mean, good coaches are hard to find. And I mean, you see it all every year where you have seven coaching changes a year. So, you know, it's like you, you fire Pete Carroll, you hire a coach and the good chance is by the third, fourth year, you're looking for another coach. So stay away from that. Just let Pete 
go to when he wants to go, and when he wants to retire, he retires. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. Dave Grosby at the bottom of the hour. It's the John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. This is the John Clayton Show on 710 ESPN Seattle and 710sports.com. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. Dave Grosby joining us at the bottom of the hour. Let's go to Steve in Skyway. Hey, Steve. Hey, good morning, John. How good morning. Are you? Good. How are you? All right. Hey, uh, first, I just want to start out by saying uh, Kyler Murray. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, he's amazing. I mean, I. you talk about... They say good things come in small packages. That that man is just nothing but a bunch of tangibles and intangibles. Mm-hmm. And he's going to be good for a long time. Yeah, he is. The thing I wondered about, though, let me ask you this. Okay, yeah. um, as when you look at Kyler Murray, is that the small? That's the smallest end of the quarterback as far as size, right? You don't think? Yeah, anybody... he's, he's a little shorter than uh, you know uh, Russell Wilson, who's five ten and five eight. Yeah. Well, what I was wondering about. Where do you think the opposite end would would be? Like, like look at Le- LeBron James. He's six eight, two forty five, two fifty. You think you think we one day could see a quarterback that size in the NFL? No. I mean, you, you let's put it this way. I can't doubt you might see him, but he's not going to be successful. I mean, the tallest quarterback that I can remember was Dan, Dan McGuire at six foot eight, and you saw what a disaster that was. So I right. think once you start getting you know a little bit above six seven, it just becomes too much because and here's the problem It's like okay you've got a tall body, but you've also got a long longer arm, and when you have a longer arm, it takes longer to get the pass out of your hand. Okay, gotcha. I mean, right. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, yeah. and that's and that, and that goes yeah, back to the more dam- of a slingshot. More yeah, of a slingshot yeah. Act. Because again, it's like I mean you know think think about that long arm and you reach back and you're throwing and how long it's going to take. For that arm to be able to, uh, you know, get the ball out. Yeah. Now let me ask you this also, um, Odell Beckham Jr. Yeah. Where do you think he is? As much as you've been able to see him, where do you think he is in his recovery from his knee surgery? Mm, I'd say, you know, eighty-five, ninety percent. Eighty-five. You still consider him a top twenty receiver in the NFL? Uh, not the way he's playing this year. No. How much of that would you blame on Cleveland? Uh, I blame it on him. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, it's like to a certain degree, I mean, he's just, whatever it is, and that this just happens, he is not in sync with Baker Mayfield. Right. Now, I don't know if it's the time that he's missed. I don't know if it's a matter that maybe he's not working as hard. I mean, talent-wise, he's certainly a top-10 talent. But let, then when let you me look... Ask you this, John. Do you think, okay, the trade deadline's coming up. Yeah. Let me run three teams by you, and let you tell me if they have the, the heart or the capital or the mindset to do this, to trade for Odell Beckham Jr., mm-hmm. the Raiders, the Chargers, or the Rams. Uh, I mean, the only team that would have any close to the cap room would be the Chargers. The Raiders don't have the cap room. The, uh, certainly the other th- I mean, it's like really, I mean, the Chargers would have the only chance, but they're not going to do that. Because they what they don't they're not that imaginative or what they don't think. No, it's like it it costs too much. I mean, you give up a good draft choice, a couple good draft choices, and then you eat up all your cap room. That's crazy. I mean, they got Keenan Allen. They've got a number one wide receiver. Well, I mean, I mean, you look at Tampa. They have three number ones. 
they don't have three number ones. I mean, uh, Antonio Brown is good. Uh, they've got two number ones. Chris Godwin's great, and Mike Evans is one of the best in football. But uh, now would you, at this stage, I mean, even though he has had a Hall of Fame type career, I wouldn't put Antonio Brown in that category because you know at his age right now and the injury factor. Because look how many games he's missed this year. Yeah, and then uh, finally, let me ask you about the the game tomorrow with yeah. the Seahawks. What what in your opinion, should the Seahawks' mindset as a team be tomorrow? Just not get too cute. Uh, you know, just get in there. I mean, you got the, the 27th defense in the league, you know, the 30th on uh, stopping the run, the 31st as far as stopping the pass. Just take advantage of that. You know, don't let uh, Trevor Lawrence do too much. And then uh, just get in there and just, you know, be smart about it, win the football game. Don't get too cute. And then um, finally, what, uh, Mike Holmes is going into the Ring of Honor tomorrow, yeah. and one of the things I remember about him the most was that he had a philosophy of that you're, you're experienced on defense and you're fast and youthful on, mm-hmm. I mean on defense, you're fast and youthful, and on offense you're experienced and precision. Right. Do you still and believe it, in that? Yeah. I mean, again, it's different right now because the game has changed since Mike has been the coach. Like, for example, the one thing, and Matt Hasselback would be attesting to this, is that, you know, did Mike Holmgren ever allow Matt Hasselback or any of his quarterbacks to play shotgun? No, he didn't. No. I mean, what they did is that, hey, you, you take the snap from center and you execute. And we're not going to change that. And he was very stubborn about that, but also it worked. Hey, thank you for the phone call. All right, John. Let, let's go to Dre. Dre, how are you? Hey, it's been a while, man. i got a lot of catching up to do real Yeah, exactly. Quick. Last time I talked to you, I'd Mariners had a, a, a ten-game stretch where they had to win eight out, eight out of eight out of ten. I said, I said they're going to win the next eight out of ten. You said, ah, well, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. well, well, I don't think well, they did win eight out, eight out of eight out of ten. Let's not forget. And that Friday game was just very disappointing. I almost fell out the shower, John. I heard you talk to that caller that time on that the following day. He said, "Man, fundamental baseball." Larry Torrance he laid down the bunt in that ninth inning. That when Kyle Seager let off with that double, and you said you laughed him off the radio. Man, ran him off the radio talking about you. Like, oh, I was talking about man. Oh no, come on, Kyle. Yeah. John Clayton. John Clayton. Were, come on, yeah. Well, he was exactly right because you know why, John? Because you tried to tie the game up. And guess what? In the in the extra inning game, Larice Torres would have definitely been laying out a bunt because the guy would have been already on second base, and he would try to get in the third base. So you're trying to exactly trying to tie the game up, and you didn't, and it didn't happen because you had to swing away. Think everything's going to be all right. Think some magic wand's going to come on the field by David Copperfield or magic wand or something. That didn't happen. And last time I talked to you, also I said Lamar Jackson is the best running back on the Baltimore Ravens. He said, "Come on, it's not going. He's not going to last 17 games, right?" I said, "Guess what? Upper Madison." Is probably saying that right now, John, because they don't want him to play 17 games. They want him to get hurt, so they don't have to pay him. And even if those two running backs were healthy, even if they were healthy, he'd still be the top running back on the team that happens to play quarterback. Give him all Jackson's money because the other running backs are Tito Jackson, not Michael. Then also, Frank Flowers, you defended on the in his preseason and the first two, three games. He mm-hmm. played awful, and all of a sudden, y'all, you know, we got to—they got to make a move in the you know, cornerback because he's like, you cannot 
defend somebody like that because everybody saw I don't even know why Pete Carroll even rewarded him in, after spring training and put him on the other side. That's an embarrassment. Because you saw him getting burnt all in preseason. You saw him getting burnt in the first two or three games of the season. That's an embarrassment. And I told you about Chris Carson. If he doesn't play at least 12 or 13 games this year, he will not be coming back this year. Only Next year, the only reason why he will be coming back because he's a, he's a commodity and because of, of his payroll, he's not making that much, and they're going to keep him around maybe because of uh, uh, he's not making that much money. But other than that, he may not come back next year because I said he was going to get hurt, and he yeah. always does get hurt. And Chris Carson, they're going to be looking for a running back in the draft next year. I'm not sure where, where in the draft or a free agent, somebody in college right now will be the starting tailback for the Seattle Seahawks. Period. And as far as you said, just said, Pete Carroll, he can leave whenever he wants to. Nah, I don't agree with that at all, Johnson. How's he going to leave whenever he wants to? He just quoted this week saying if it wasn't for Russell Wilson, he wouldn't be where he's at right now. Russell Wilson got Pete Carroll that contract. Not Pete Carroll, believe me, making something out of nothing, like I always said, him and Marshawn Lynch. Russell Wilson making something out of another. Daryl Bell was bad play calling, making Russell Wilson and Marshawn Lynch making something out of nothing. If Russell Wilson would have been healthy right now, he would be heading for that 5,000 yards rushing for his career. Unfortunately, he got hurt. He would probably wind up with 4,700 by the end of the year, John. But don't say Pete Carroll can just leave whenever he wants to, no matter how bad he does. Come on, and Kyle Shallahan can just leave whatever basically what he wants to with a bad under 500 record. Come on, that's that, that you can't say something like that. What, how can you say that bad, bad coaching under 500, not getting the job done, is, is, is okay? It's not okay because we've all seen for African American head, head coaches in the NFL, they get cut for even less, even having winning seasons. That's wrong. That is wrong. Kyle Shanahan should get fired either by the end of this year or next year if he has the same bad record under 500. No ifs, ands, or buts because the ifs and buts were candy enough. I'll be living in Bedford Falls. My name will be George Bailey, and I have a guardian angel named Clarence, John. There you go. Dre, hey, thank you. Always a pleasure. Great energy. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. Dave Grosby coming up next. This is the John Clayton Show on 710 ESPN Seattle and 710sports.com. It is time for our weekly dose of the Gras with Dave Grosby. And Dave, were you kind of excited with the information we found out yesterday, the two of us? What do you mean? Uh, do you know what we're doing on Friday? No, tell me. Uh, we're on the 2 o'clock show together. I this. Yeah, we're on the two o'clock show together. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I thought that. I thought I they would tell you. I did not realize that. Yeah, so I mean, I mean, in our thirty years together, and of course, I mean, my relationship with you uh, is only the second longest <clears throat> that I can have because my longest, obviously, is my thirty-four, thirty-seven years, thirty-four years with Pat. But it's like, yeah. So we're we're mm-hmm. on the Friday show, but now are you going to be mad at me because <clears throat> one of the things that I did, and being that we've been together for thirty years. Uh, is that, hey, can I get off an hour earlier? Because we're supposed to be together from 2 until 6. <clears throat> but I said, hey, uh, can I make it 5? And, you know, they were able to agree to that. But why would I do that? And you know me for 30 years, so why is that? <laughs> why would you leave at 5 on Friday? Friday. There's and, again, that's the key. You got, you got the date, Friday. Friday night, date night. 
Oh right, <laughs> the Clayton tradition. Yeah, for thirty, you know, the long-standing Clayton tradition. Yeah, for thirty-four years, every Friday night, uh, Pat and I go out to dinner, and uh, you know, and that's one of the things she looks forward to every week. And so, you know, because again, if I if I went till six, right, the problem is that I wouldn't. I, there's two things that would happen. One, you know, I wouldn't be able to get food right. for Pat by going someplace at six. Because you know, at uh, 7:15, you know, the care caregiver has to have her in bed and uh, be able to leave. So one of two things can happen: is that I can take her to dinner and she doesn't get a chance to eat, or uh, she has to stay in the chair for the entire night until Saturday morning. Well, as long as they found someone to fill in for you, John, I'm, I'm, I would never want to get in the way of Friday date night. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, but you understand that. So it's like, don't get mad at me for leaving at five. But uh, we were able to make that compromise, and we already got somebody that's going to fill in for that hour. So it's like, uh, yeah. But I'm looking forward to the fact that we'll be together from two until five on Friday. That's going to be fun, man. That's uh, we haven't done a show that long together since we were mocking up the Husky game. I don't yeah, think. I know. Back in what 80, 80, 81. Or was it 91? 91. Uh, no, ni- 91. 91. 91. Yeah. yeah, 91. When we did the we did the mock we did the mock Husky game mm-hmm, and uh, mm-hmm. went, when they had the undefeated season and so did Miami and that was that was about a two and a half hour show so right. all right that's gonna be fun man I, I I haven't looked at my work mail in the last couple of days and and I guess that's where that is. Yeah, exactly. So uh, that'll happen on Friday from two until five. Looking forward to it. Hey, so now uh, so what's your Excellent. thoughts on this Jacksonville game for Seattle? Well, they better get it, John. Yeah. <laughs> they better get it, to say the very least. Um, you know, uh, you got a you got a rookie quarterback who's obviously playing a little bit better. Uh, you know, you've got a team that's not playing, that's not good at this point. Uh, that that simply isn't. Although they they seem to be coming around a little bit. Um, you know, it goes without saying if the Seahawks are entertaining even faint playoff hopes, they've got to they've got to come up with a victory. I think this was one of the ones that when Russell Wilson went out, you figured, well, at least they can win that one. And, right. And uh, I don't think that feeling has changed a little bit, but I don't I do not expect it to be easy for them. I expect it to be like every game with Geno Smith at quarterback, which should remind everyone to a degree of the Tavares Jackson days, which is the entire goal of the team is to get to the fourth quarter with a chance to win. And in, in this case, you know, and and it. it was true in the last game too you're kind of hoping the defense can get the job done for you mm-hmm. yeah and that's uh you know the, the, in the defense uh you know the, at least they have some things on offense they have nothing on defense in jacksonville i mean their defense has two pro bowl players right. josh allen and uh, shaquille griffin but i mean they brought in like you know six veterans and those six veterans you know, are no names i mean I, the, the stat that i find just absolutely amazing i mean if you you're jacksonville right you mm-hmm. lost 15 straight games and had the first pick in the draft. Okay, obviously you were given Trevor Lawrence. Would you believe with the other eight draft choices they have, they only have four starts, and those eight players have only played 441 snaps? That's incredible. That's where, uh, uh, yeah, and it just—I mean—it's what I always say about the draft. You know, people tend to look at the draft and judge drafts by the mm-hmm. first round, and that's the worst way to do it because. You know, it, it's it's the bulk of the draft that makes up the bulk of your team, and um, you know it's those picks from two to seven, and and the and the free agents you bring in that that ultimately make the difference as to whether or not you're a good club or not. And and um, there's a good example of it there, the Jacksonville, because they certainly hit with their first draft pick. Lawrence is going to be fine. Yeah. Uh, it looks like he's an NFL quarterback, but uh, he's he's without help, and and when you miss on all the other ones, you're no good. 
Well, and then the other part of it is is that uh, you know, when you look at their draft right now, uh, they only have like uh, what three three players, four players that are uh, you know that have been draft choices of theirs. Okay, I mean you've got Devon Hamilton, third round pick uh, from last year, nose tackle, but he's questionable with an injury. Miles Jack hasn't hardly been playing, and he was a second-round pick in 2016. You know, they have uh, K. LeVon uh, Chase on, first-round pick from last year. You know, so he's there. But you know, the, other than that, I mean, the, 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 and, and you got Josh Allen, a first-round pick in 2019. So they have very few draft choices that are on their team that are playing. And then listen to this great group. Now, of, of this great group, of uh, veterans that they signed off the street or free agency. Which one do you even know? Okay. Okay. Uh, Roy Roy Roberts Robertson Harris, uh, Damian <laughs> Williams, and I know you study this so well. Uh, uh, Rudy Ford, uh, Ray Sean Jenkins. I mean, which one? Wasn't that the backup band for the Blues Brothers? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, you know, and you got a new coach there, obviously. Yeah, with, yeah. Is no experience in the NFL either, in Urban Meyer. So yeah, you've got uh, you've got a messy situation in Jacksonville for sure, John. Yeah, no doubt about it. So it's like, uh, yeah, we'll see where it goes. And again, so much of this is going to rely on Geno Smith having a decent game. And I can't imagine that that defense, you can't have a decent game. I mean, what they're 27th, I think overall. They're 30, 30th in stopping the run, 31st in stopping the pass, and it's like uh, they're right at the bottom, bottom of the league. You can beat them on defense. Well, you can, but, you know, I, I get the feeling that the Seahawks, this is the Seahawks without Russell Wilson yeah. now, are the kind of club that are going to kind of play down to the opposition to the for the most part. So I, I just I, I don't see I don't see a blowout easy win. You know, I see them, you know, kind of playing down to Jacksonville's level a little bit. And, mm-hmm. and you know, that that's uh, notwithstanding, if they – they win the turnover battle big. They can certainly win the game big, and that goes the other way too. If Jacksonville wins the turnover battle big, they can win the game big. So, right. I, I don't expect that to happen. I expect it to be a a fairly ugly game. And uh, look, uh, I think at this point, no matter how ugly, a win would be beautiful from the Seahawks' perspective. No doubt. What concerns do you have about uh, Chris Carson now that we find out that uh, yeah. that neck is not good at all? Yeah, it's uh, you feel bad for him first and foremost because yeah. he's a guy who's played so incredibly hard and and you know earned the earned the contract and and I think they they kind of you know that they were afraid something like this might happen uh, it was had, had to do with their hesitation and now we're hearing reports that he might not even be back this year so mm-hmm. it's 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 bad news for them and and I was I was really disappointed that Rashad Penny wasn't able to to pick up the slack in any way meaningful way last week and I don't know what the story is going to be. Uh, for him this week, but uh, his 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 opportunity remains this year. I yeah. mean, whenever he whenever he can come around and play, and if he can string together a couple of good weeks, he's got himself a future here. If he can't, uh, we're seeing the end of him right now. Yeah, no doubt about it. And I think we you know you know he's not going to be back next year. Uh, you know, unless, unless something unless he come you know comes out of the woodwork and mm-hmm. and and starts you know pull, pulling together hundred yard games and looks like the guy they thought they got in the first round, but. Uh, at this point, he looks like another first-round miss for these guys. Yeah. On the college scene, thoughts about the Huskies right now and where they're at? Uh, you know, they're 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 three and four. So I mean, yeah. they're they're playing Stanford, who's also three and four for that matter, and and is a mirror image in another way in that uh, both teams run the ball. Washington, uh, not 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 
really my plan at the start of the year, but now it's become the plan. And Stanford, they've always kind of done it with David Shaw, and that's how they're doing it this year. So this is a game that's going to look like an old-school game, I would think, with both teams trying to get it done rushing the football. I think Washington's got a great shot today, but um, Stanford has is, is got an equally good shot. So a toss-up is what I'm saying for them. And then, you know, the Cougars are, are in deep, although, uh, you know, they, they fought off they almost fought off BYU last week, which was a de- definitely a tumultuous week for them. They're a big underdog, <clears throat> excuse me, John, in the desert against Arizona State. But, you know, they've got some big, big-time players, some big-time skill position players. So they're a team that can surprise. So uh, it's a tougher one for Washington State than it is for Washington, that's for sure. Okay, how do you look back at the way the transition has gone from Tim Rolovich uh, to the new coach? I think as good as possible, I would say, from what I've seen so far. I mean, as good as possible, you know, you you, you haven't lost the uh, guys on the team. And, you know, there were probably certain players who, who were very much supporting uh, Nick Rolovich. And, and uh, you know, you've kept those guys. They've kind of rallied around their quarterback a little bit. Uh, you know, you, you've lost some assistant coaches. And you you kind of got your coaching staff kind of rallying around. Look, look, you know, we know the most powerful uh, way to you know incentivize guys is to say it's us against the world. No one thinks we can do this, et cetera, et cetera. In the case of Washington State, it's the literal truth. So mm-hmm. you know they they have responded well to it as as you expect teams to do. And we'll just see if they can if they can turn it around on the field. And and uh, you know they're they're still in it. They're still in it in the North. They're only I think a half game behind Oregon. And I think it's Oregon and Oregon State are are tied on top of the North. So. Uh, they're still right there, and uh, it would be quite a storybook story if they were able to to play themselves in the championship game of the Pac-12. Yeah, no doubt, because again, it's like uh, you know you want to see as much success as they have, and of course we're going to go to uh, Washington State pregame at the top of the hour, and of course the game's going to be at 12 against Arizona State. So what's on the Gras agenda today and tomorrow? Uh, it's turning into a beautiful day, isn't it, man? It is. May have to get out and about a little bit, but uh, you know, I mean, one thing we didn't talk about is the World Series, which mm-hmm. has, has been very enjoyable. Oh, that, yeah, and, but boy, but as as great as it was watching the pitching last night, that was boring. Why? Well, because two nothing, two nothing on a one hitter. Oh, John, John, John. I mean, well, until Kendall Graveman yeah. hit that home run, it was a one nothing game. Right, uh, they, agreed. That would have been that would have been drama. And geez, yeah, I, I was more more surprised the guy pulled the the guy throwing a no hitter. Yeah, 70, Although, 79 pitches. Yeah, I mean, he was he was probably one more inning was all he was going to get anyway. But, I mean, that's as far as Don Larson went. He's the, He's gone as far as Don Larson went in, in, in a World Series game with mm-hmm. a no-hitter. And, and it's funny how things have changed that you just don't think twice about pulling a guy like that. But it worked out for him, and, and I thought it was a good game. I thought it was an entertaining game, and, and we'll see if there's more offense for you tonight. Yeah, in fact, it was funny because I can't remember who they mentioned on the broadcast, but uh, there was one pitcher – years many years ago that had a no hitter and he threw 145 pitches oh low and ryan they, they showed him a few games throwing over 200 yeah yeah amazing guys used to throw a lot of pitches man i know hey so david i'm looking forward to being with you on friday and i thank you and giving us our weekly dose of the Gras with dave grosby Friday will be fun, John. Looking forward to it, buddy. Okay, sounds good. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. John Clayton Show, 710 ESPN Seattle. This is the John Clayton Show on 710 ESPN Seattle and 710sports.com. Our thanks to Matt Nelson for running the show. Our thanks to Matt Nelson for producing the show. 866-979-ESPN, 206-421-ESPN. Going to uh, Washington State pregame at the top of the hour. Let's go to Rick in Twin Lakes. Hey, Rick. Hey, good morning, John. Good morning. How are you? Hey, I want to give a shout-out to Dre. You know, he's been yeah. away for a while, and uh, he really brought it today. Oh, he really did? Sure did. Um, 
The other thing is that uh, I tell you, I was going to the game last game, and uh, my wife and I did. Good. And uh, we sit out with the others out in the rain, and we saw what we saw. Um, the thing that I uh, observe about quarterbacks is that um, when you get a good one, mm-hmm. he's cool under pressure, um, and that's the difference. They can have you can have all the arm talent, and you can have uh, uh, you know you can know all the plays, but if you get under pressure and you and you break down, it's kind of like a fighter pilot. Not everybody can be a fighter pilot. A lot of people can be an airline pilot, but they they don't when when bullets are coming at you, and you and you still do what you do. That's the difference. Right, uh, Gino. He's got talent. That's why he was drafted. I think he was in the second round. Second round. He was correct. drafted high. But his footwork, when he pressure him, his footwork goes out of the window. Uh, his vision goes out of the window. Now, he threw that ball to DK, which was uh, actually a pretty uh, – it was on the money, but it was low. It was a low trajectory. He doesn't mm-hmm. put much arc on the ball. doesn't drop it in there. Nobody gets as high as Russell, but he, he can do a little bit better on that. And another thing is his footwork is off. He forgets about – that's why he throws so many balls in the dirt. If you notice, uh, guys will be open. Tyler Lockett and DK, they're open, and they throw it, he throws it right at their feet every time mm-hmm. when he's under pressure. And that's the difference. Um, but um, and it, uh, in the play calling, um, it was run on first down, pass on second down. We needed to mix it up a little bit. But um, I'm not familiar with Jacksonville. What kind of pressure, uh, pressure do they get on the quarterback? Do you have those numbers or you know about them? Um, they're not good. They're not good. But, well, we might have a chance. If yeah. Gino's not pressured, he might be able to uh, complete some passes and we may be able to do okay. And uh, I'm sorry to hear about um, Carson with the neck injury. Mm-hmm. I was at the game when um, Cliff Averill went down. Right. And I knew exactly what it was as soon as I saw it. The quarterback got loose. Cliff Averill went to dive at his feet. And the, the guy kicked him, uh, kicked his helmet. His head neck went back. Next thing I knew, Chris Averill is sitting on the on the on the um, on the ground, and he's shaking his arms. He's just sitting there. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have any feelings in his arm. I said, "Oh my goodness, he's got a neck injury." You know, the nerves, you know, leading from his uh, from his neck to his arm is is gone. And we never saw him again. I hope that's not true with Carson, but uh, I just wish him luck and hope we get back. I'm still a Seahawks fan, but this is one of those years. Yeah, it looks like it. I mean, again, we'll see where it goes tomorrow. You know, at least at 3-5, and five, they have a chance, an outside chance, to see if they can make a, a wild card run for the seventh spot in the playoffs. But, yeah, it, does, it just doesn't – you get the feel that it isn't there this year, which, of course, hey, that happens. And with Russell coming back, I don't know if he's going to be back that soon because a lot of people say, well, he'll be back in four weeks. You put screws in your hands, mm-hmm. that's bone. You're talking about bones, brother. Yeah. And and, and the fingers, uh, there's more nerve endings in the fingers than just about uh, any part of the body. Well, except for one, of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, so so you're going to be feeling that. I mean, but but uh, if anybody can do it, it's Russell, and I wish uh, the Seahawks the best of luck. Yeah, and then are you going to go tomorrow? Uh, no, I'm, my grandson is actually going to um, going to be going with uh, with my wife. Okay. Uh, see, shout okay. out to CJ. Hope he have he's a football player, uh-huh. and um, so hopefully they have a good time. Yeah, and of course, I mean the key right now is just to try to come out somehow, some way with a victory, go into the bye week, you know, get DK Metcalf to to rest up and uh, you know feel better, and then uh, you know hopefully you know Dwayne Brown has an illness, he's not feeling good, but he's expected to play. So it's like all those things have to come together because I mean they definitely need the victory it's it's a must win no doubt about it well and the other thing is seahawks fans are really upset about this year 
Yeah. But it just goes to show you what you have with Pete Carroll. Mm-hmm. He's made the playoffs just about every year. Spoiled. Spoiled. We've had good seasons. We enjoy it. There's no guarantees in this. No, absolutely but, not. But it's one of those years where well, things happen. I mean, look, the running back, the quarterback, I mean, it's just, hey, sometimes you just get unlucky, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so now it's a matter of uh, you know just getting healthier and then trying to get to the bye week and get back there. Hey, Rick, have a good good time. Thank you. Sorry you're not going to the game. All right, take care, John. All right, thanks, you. And, of course, coming up next, Washington State pregame as we get ready for the Washington State-Arizona State game. And, again, hope everybody enjoys all that. And I'll be back next week uh, with the John Clayton Show on 710 ESPN Seattle.